Thank you, Pastor. Of course, as we pray, we understand we're praying, trusting in the Lord by faith. Dr. Kennedy taught me years ago that uh, faith is the key that opens heaven for us, the means by which we receive that gift. And speaking of keys, we're going to be changing the locks on the building. All of that by way of reminding me I forgot an announcement. The last week of this month, we'll be changing the locks on the outside doors, the inside doors. And so I want to let you know that. We'll give you more information later, but heads up. Those of you who have keys, who need access to the building, we're going to need to get you new ones, so we'll tell you more later. And then uh, speaking of forgotten announcements, uh, somebody called this week and asked if we had a lost and found department. I said, the whole church is that. <laughs> it is. You know, just look around. But there are particular items that have been left behind and haven't been claimed in the way of sunglasses and glasses and even a Bible or two that's floating around here. So uh, just check over there near the entranceway there's, or the credenza. You might find something there that uh, can join with all of us in having been lost but found. Now, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, we're looking at verses 14 through 26 as we jump back into this chapter and remind ourselves that this beloved physician of old had good news in the first century, continues to be the best news the world has ever heard in this day. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John together proclaim the glorious gospel of grace, and Luke being one of those known to us as a physician, thus we say, the doctor has good news. And so chapter 11, beginning with verse 14. As you follow along and as I read aloud, remember, this is the word of God. Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out of the mute man, he spoke and the people marveled. But some of them said he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. While others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign or from him a sign from heaven. Verse 17. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest and finding none, it says. I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. May the Lord bless this reading of his word as we give him praise for it. Amen. So all of us are aware of germs. 
We've all gone through this global pandemic that is COVID, and we know more about those contagions than we would like to admit, although that is not to disparage people in the medical profession whatsoever. It's just that those of us who don't have a bent toward that sort of thing don't like to go around thinking about these little microcosms that are everywhere, that, of which our ancestors were blissfully unaware. The idea of germs, of course, uh, there always have been germs, but the knowledge of them is rather late in the history of humanity when people with microscopes and the means discovered these tiny organisms. And it has been a tremendous help in the area of medical science, to know that that's what causes diseases and sicknesses, things like infection, to be able to treat for that, to know that we're actually combating against those tiny organisms. We read sad stories about how people in the past died who could have been saved if people treating them had simply done something as simple as wash their hands instead of spreading infection. Ignorance of demons is even more deadly. The fact that much of the church does not want to talk about Satan and his demonic hosts bears witness to the fact that Satan has been largely successful in his conspiracy to, uh, to camouflage himself and his activities. And I can't think of a way to be more successful in an enemy's territory than to be able to conduct affairs in a clandestine way, hidden from those who otherwise would seek and especially if there are people who refuse to see and acknowledge. The Lord Jesus here, as he does elsewhere, reveals to us this hidden, invisible realm of demons. And I don't want us to major on this so much. As I've said before, there was a man that I heard about in my childhood. He preached so much on hell, people began to wonder if he wasn't from there. But we avoid the subject altogether in our culture and in much of Christendom. We simply don't talk about it. And this subject is so troubling to us that uh, often we just skim over it. But it is necessary for us to acknowledge the reality of the demonic realm. And so we have the Lord Jesus here, and it's no accident, right, that he has been talking about prayer and he's been teaching on the subject of prayer. And here he encounters this opposition. Remember, demonic activity concentrated itself at that time and in that place because the Son of God had come upon earth to achieve redemption and salvation for his own. And so we naturally see that Satan was fiercely opposed to him, and it's no accident that there was so much of this kind of activity. Now, certainly, there are people who cannot speak because of physical limitations, because of matters that are not demonic. But in this particular instance, someone could not speak because of a demon, and Jesus was casting him out. And he had gone out. Couldn't do anything else. The Lord Jesus has all authority, right? So there was no possibility that this being was going to do anything other than leave the person inhabited. And the person spoke, and everyone marveled. And you would think at that point there would be some comment along the lines of, wow, maybe he really is who he claims to be. But we always have to recognize that contrived explanations and claims of, ins of uh, insufficient evidence are no match for truth. There was plenty of evidence. There was an overwhelming amount of information provided so that people could make a right decision and come to the conclusion, oh, this is the Son of God. 
Just as in Matthew chapter 16, the Lord Jesus asking his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And, of course, they're varying opinions, right? This is Gallup out, out conducting a poll. What are the percent percentages? Who, who do people say that I am? And, of course, the, uh, the response was varied. John the Baptist, Elijah, perhaps Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But who do you say that I am? So those... Skeptics who refused to believe, who were suppressing the knowledge of the truth, even though the evidence was overwhelming, absolutely refusing, said, oh, well, he must be doing this by Beelzebul, which is a way of referring to an Old Testament deity that had come to be another name for Satan himself. He must be doing this in the name of, of that god of Beelzebul or Beelzebulb, as it is uh, known elsewhere where we get the book title Lord of the Flies from because it literally means Lord of the Dung Heap which of course attracts flies so he must be doing it for that in that way and so here is that wrong opinion concerning the Lord Christ asserted and I'm sure they did it very strongly and yet when it comes down to it, the question is not what does everybody think, not even what do the experts think, but as Jesus said to his disciples, but who do you say that I am? It's another one of those cases, by the way. Peter's the one talking, but the, the word you is in the plural. You remember how to render that. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, said Peter. And so we see that even though to the disciples who didn't get everything right and who had a long way to go yet, nevertheless, all of that other information did not impede them in understanding, or at least at that moment, being able to say, you are the Son of God. I have truth there capitalized to do what many are doing this day. Truth with a capital T. We're not talking about my truth or your truth. How in the world did we ever get to this place? We're talking about the truth. Isn't it interesting that the same people who object so strenuously to us holding to a notion of absolute truth are the same ones that insist on having fact checkers for online information? Just think about that. Whatever opinion may be, the truth stands. It's uh, been said before that it's an ethical axiom, for example, that you can't derive an ought from an is. If everybody in the country is stealing, that doesn't mean that you ought to. If everyone in the world believes something about Jesus that is contrary to Scripture, it doesn't make them right. It doesn't matter. There's no bandwagon in theology. God has revealed truth, and it's not dependent upon us to affirm it in order for it to be true. Jesus is the Son of God regardless of what others would say about him or say now presently. And so here he demonstrates his power, authority, his true identity. He knows their thoughts. And knowing their thoughts, he teaches. It is a comfort to me to know that the Lord knows my thoughts. He knows the intents of my heart. And he knows what I need. And this word of his always provides that in some way or measure. And uh, as he teaches them, you know, it's very simple. How or why would Satan 
have someone doing something that is a detriment to his work and to his kingdom. It makes no sense that somebody would be casting out demons in the name of Satan because that would be opposing Satan's own work. The Lord Jesus is telling them in no uncertain terms, no, I'm here to oppose the kingdom of Satan. In fact, he tells us that he came to destroy the works of the devil. Here we see, once again, a very simple truth. There is the kingdom of God and there is the kingdom of Satan. And no one is unaffiliated. In this country, of course, politically, we see an increase in the number of people who are not affiliated with either political party. This has nothing to do with that. This has everything to do with the fact that there is light and there is darkness. And that while not every decision, as we are prone to say, is black and white, we acknowledge that there is the adiaphora, there is the gray area oftentimes in decisions. Yet when it comes to this matter of kingdoms, Yes, there are nations and there are tribes and there are families and there are any number of ways that demographically we can be broken down. But ultimately, everything falls into one or two categories, and it's true of us. By default, we are in Satan's kingdom. We don't have to do anything to decide that we're there. All we have to do is be born. Because in this world that has been plunged into sin by virtue of the disobedience of our parents in the garden, we are living in a world of depravity and of sin. You don't have to make a decision in order to be on the dark side. Just be born. In the passage that Rachel read for us in Joshua chapter 24, which is familiar to us, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the God's your father served in the region beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. Let me stop there for just a moment. You can see even in this Old Testament passage that there's no real neutrality. The choice lies between which of those gods will you serve. There's no option of serving none of the above. By default, there will be the service of one god or gods or others. It is a matter of excluding all Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 1 John 3, 8 says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And here, as I've mentioned already, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Two kingdoms, different masters, Christ, king of the kingdom of God, opposed to the work of the devil, Satan, being the prince of the power of the air, the god of this age. Those are the two kingdoms. John goes on to say in verse 19 of chapter 5 of his first epistle, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. There again, you see that distinction as it's made. In his gospel account, John records for us the words of the Lord Jesus. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. It's not because of a lack of clarity. It's not because Jesus spoke in such an enigmatic fashion that people said, I wish I could understand what he was saying. Listen, I've been a kid in a church service before. I've said that about preachers. What's he saying? I don't know. Some of that was just immaturity. Occasionally, though, it was like I said about my homiletics professor, Dr. Bill Hogan, just recently home with the Lord. 
You know, he said he didn't really care how many points our sermons had as long as they had a point. (laughs) He heard too many messages that had no point. Jesus spoke clearly. There was no basis for saying, I wish we could understand him. He's speaking in a different language. It's too complicated for us. Christ spoke clearly. The issue is that people just didn't want to hear him and don't want to hear him. Couldn't bear to listen to his word and so simply excluded from their minds. Because that's the way these two kingdoms work. Satan's work is to deceive and to keep us from listening. And because our sin nature is as it is, we willingly go along with that. We don't want to listen left to our natural state. So Jesus makes a perfectly logical argument based on Scripture, and it's not as if at the end of this there's a great revival. Oh, I get it. Of course people aren't going to cast out Satan in Satan's name. They still suppress the truth. There are those who were casting out demons at the time as this demonic activity had increased in that day. These these, uh, Jews apparently were, some among them were doing that among the Jewish faith. If you're telling me that I'm casting out by Beelzebul, then your sons are doing the same thing. Is that really what you want to say? And they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And for those who had ears to hear, this was good news. The kingdom of God had come. Those who have walked in darkness at this moment are seeing a great light in the person of the Lord Christ. For those whose eyes have been opened by the magnificent, wondrous work of the Holy Spirit, the grace of God, his unmerited favor poured out in their hearts, they are seeing the wonder of wonders. The kingdom of God has come. What good news. We see the way in which uh, Satan works, which these demonic beings work. That uh, they inhabit human beings restlessly, apparently. You know, they might come in and inhabit for a while, but not content to rest there. They might go and wander somewhere else, but then decide to come back. And it tells us here that there's no psychological defense against this. It's not like we can gird up our strength, be strong enough in our mind to be able to prevail against those that would carry out the works of Satan. No, they just come right back in. One leaves, you you dust the place out, you vacuum, you clean, you get it all straightened out. But unless there is someone to inhabit that vacancy, that demonic spirit will come right back and bring others with him. We need to hear this. We need to know that the world operates in this way. Otherwise, the news isn't going to make more sense. We're still going to be sitting around like everybody else when the next mass killing takes place. We're going to say, I wonder what kind of sickness that person has. Do you not get it? Do you not see that in the invisible realm there is real evil manipulating people to do things that are unthinkable to us? But quite consistent with Satan's purpose to destroy and to kill. War is a continuing testimony of this dark peril. And the only sure way, the only way to have any defense whatsoever against this evil power is the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. It's to have faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit comes in. Someone's inhabiting the place. 
No evil spirit can come and take up residence there and do as it would have done otherwise. It is a miracle of miracles that God himself inhabits the believer, comes in, and he carries out a cleaning process that's not temporary. It's ongoing. And thus, inhabiting us, we can be assured that the one who dwells within us is greater than the one who is in the world. 1 John 4, 3 through 4. As again, testimony to the spirits is mentioned. So the presence of the Holy Spirit is the only defense against occupying spirits. The presence of the Holy Spirit enlightening us in the knowledge of God's word is the only means by which not only can we make sense of this world, but the only way that we can successfully navigate through this world. That's why we should commit every decision to the Lord, no matter how significant it may seem to be or how minor it may seem to be. We need to seek the Lord's guidance, asking Him for direction. Because even as believers who cannot be occupied by satanic force, we nevertheless can still be deceived by the evil one. Those Deceptions are continually at work. That's why we need a knowledge of God's Word. That's why we need God's Word within us and the Holy Spirit enabling us to retain it and to apply it to our lives so that we will think in the right way. Education alone is not sufficient. Education is good, particularly and especially when we are being discipled in the scriptures so that as we study other matters we'll have discernment much more can be said about this but you know I need to move on it's uh, it's a matter of reality to know that uh, evil is at work in the world in this invisible way but that God has overcome that darkness through the person of Christ not only at the cross but as that redemptive work is applied to us by means of the sanctifying work of the Spirit, more and more will we walk in the light as we see the light and leave behind us the works of darkness that otherwise would characterize our lives, our words. Christ has done so much more than to Save us so that we'll have heaven as a home for eternity. His salvation is such that he's saving us from sin and has delivered us from the evil one. So the bad news is, yes, the devil exists. Yes, there are such things as demons. But the good news is, for those who trust in Christ, have no fear. We see it, we're repulsed by the works of evil, but we will never be dominated by them. Because the one who is within us is greater than all of them combined. Satan attempted at every point to thwart the work of Christ, to derail his ministry, to deter him from going to Jerusalem and from laying down his life. He was not successful then, and he will not be successful now in undoing any of what Christ has accomplished. We have nothing less than the one true and living God abiding within us when we have faith in Christ. And be assured, Christian, that that one who began that good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And all the power of hell can't keep him from it. 
And so as we hear these words, of course, they're unsettling. But I'm reminding you, Jesus is the one who reveals this truth to us. And we can put all confidence and hope in him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise your name, O Lord, and we thank you that in this dark and wicked world where evil continues to manifest itself, that you have given us faith to look unto the one who has secured a future and a hope that a brighter day is coming when sin will be no more, when all that is of Satan will be cast into that lake of fire and sulfur. Lord, we pray that you'll give us grace to persevere in the meantime, to live for you and to be instruments in your hands to win others to you. Lord, may you accomplish your will in all of us to the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. As we conclude, let's uh, stand together and and sing the hymn that we have. You have there in your folder. It will be on the screens. It is a simple chorus. It is a prayer. Shine, Jesus, shine. Light there is. Remember, Sunday school is an opportunity for you right back that way. But whether you go to Sunday school, simply grab a cupcake on the way out, or heading straight home, go with the Lord's blessings. May grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be with and abide with you all, both now and forevermore. And everyone said together. Amen.